God above, we have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for us, our name is graven on his hands. Our name is written on his heart. You sing it, but do you believe it? I hope you believe it, beloved, because it's true. If you have your Bible, please open it to 1 John chapter 1. We will be looking at verses 5 through 10. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Many years ago, a friend of mine received a, a car from a church family. And it was a good, reliable car. It got him from point A to point B. But one day... It stopped working. The engine locked up on him because there was no oil in the engine. He never checked the oil in the car. He probably never had oil changed. And like some of him, like him, some of us have and will learn the hard way, the sacred phrase of owning a car, and that's preventive maintenance. You're going to learn that one way or the other. Preventive maintenance. You see, vehicles need oil changes, tune-ups, tire rotation, and et cetera. It needs all these things, and, and these preventive measures can save you from a costly bill down the road. So give your car preventive maintenance and give it to your life as well because your life needs preventive maintenance too. Your whole person, your body, your health, your relationships, your family life, your career, even your hair, and your spiritual life needs it as well. Because like vehicles, our we wear down spiritually. We get out of rhythm. We burn out. Life happens. Are you spiritually dry this morning? Is your tank on empty? Are you lost and don't know what to do? Are you ignoring your spiritual lights, life check engine light? Are you looking past it? Have your spiritual life been in an accident? And now do you feel it's been totaled out and you don't know what to do? Some of you need an oil change. Some of you need a tire rotation. Some of you need new spark plugs because you need a tune-up. And that's what First John 5, 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10 helps us with. It's, call, it's, going, it's calling all of us to do preventive maintenance in our spiritual life. Here's God's word to his beloved people. First John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. This is God's truth. Please pray with and for me. 
Lord, as we come to the preaching of the word, we pray that each of us for real receive what we need to receive today. Each of us. We're all in different places. We're all dealing with different things. But one thing we do have in common is that we need Jesus. We need more of him, not less of him. We need your word, not less of your word, more of your word. So, Holy Spirit, give us the humility to let the truth of the word penetrate the parts of our life that we keep hidden from you. Give us the humility to let the word wash us, let grace wash us. Again, Holy Spirit, you have to do it. We cannot do it ourselves. You have to do it for us and in us, for our benefit and for Christ's glory. And I pray for all this in his name. Amen. After God brought Israel out of the wilderness and before they entered into the promised land, he gave them a strong warning. He gave them a strong warning. They were to remember God in the promised land. They were to remember him in the land filled with milk and honey. And remember him, this means remember who he is, and they were to remember what he has done for them. He said in Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 through 14, you shall eat and be full. You shall bless the Lord your God for the, for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes for, our, for, for what I'm commanding you today. Least when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your hearts be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, what happened once they went into the promised land? What happened? This is congregation participation. Yes, they lost their everlasting minds because they forgot him. They didn't remember, even though he told them not to. Even though he warned them about it, they forgot. They didn't remember. And we do the same, if we're honest. We don't always remember him, who he is, and what he has done for us in the past. We forget him in the ups and downs of life, in the highs and lows, on the mountaintops, and in the valleys low. We forget him from blessing to blessing, from hardship to hardship, from discipline to discipline, from test to test, from one provision to the next, from one deliverance to the next. And forgetting the Lord wears you down spiritually. It wears you down. Not remembering who he is and not remembering what he has done wears you down. Just take your spiritual life down misunderstanding avenue. And on this avenue, you hit all kind of potholes. Unbelief. And when you hit a good pothole, it messes up your alignment. It messes it up. You see, our understanding of God needs preventive maintenance. It needs it. It needs it. We need to have the right understanding of who he is and the right understanding of what he has done for us. And John helps us here. He gives us the maintenance. Look at verse 5. This is the message we heard from the beginning, from Christ. We can proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. 
no darkness at all. John continued to proclaim to others the word that he received from Christ himself about God, that God is light, that he is pure light, and that he's, he's, he's perfect in, in all that he does. It's perfect brightness. Light refers to God's character, his nature, his being. He's spotless, people, blameless, perfect, even in, all, in who he is, even in what he does. You see, God never has to take a bath. Yeah, I know your kids are laughing because some of you don't like bath time. <laughs> Think about that. There is no bath time for God. He isn't dirty. And he never gets dirty. Think about that. Never smells bad. God does not have body odor. He doesn't even need deodorant. He's always fresh and clean every single day. That is what it means for him to be completely holy. And you cannot read his word and not see that truth. Psalm 77, 13 says, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? What God is great like our God? There is none. Our God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. Zero, not an inch, not even a little bit, not even a hint. No sin. No compromise, no shady character, no wickedness, no lying tongue, no slander, no evil, no corruption, no injustice, no sometiming, and no gossiping. Our God isn't broken. And he can't be brought down to our level. He always does what is just and right. Think about that. Who do you know in this life? Always does what is just and right all the time. In thought, motives, and deeds. All the time. We can't think of anybody. Our God practices what he preaches. He fulfills his promises. He's other than us. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Your eyes are too pure to see evil. Mm. And you cannot look at wrong. Psalm 5 says, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful should not stand before your eyes. Our God is high and lofty. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. That is our God. Is this your understanding of God? He is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we're honest with ourselves, then we will admit that we're sometiming when it comes to this. There's some time when it comes to our understanding of who he is. And if we're honest, truly honest, then we would admit we all desire God created in our image. If we're honest, a God who assimilates to our desires, culture, wants, pleasures, dreams, happiness and expectations. This is why you have a church in Dallas in a couple of weeks that's going to have a message titled, America, a Christian nation. Idolatry Sunday. I'm going to accept America into my heart. The naturalistic God of America isn't Yahweh Elohim. That is a false God created in our American image. And if you're worshiping that God, you need preventive maintenance because that is not our God. Other people don't even believe God is real because they can't see him. 
because they can't rationally wrap their minds around a finite God. And because they can't do that, then they say, he's not real. I don't believe in him. They live as if God doesn't exist. They live independent of him. And I know that's not true for us because we're good Christian folk. We believe God exists. But do you believe it functionally? Okay. Because what we say here and how we functionally live don't always line up. Because we sometimes live as functional atheists, if we're honest. During election time. Doing hardships, doing disappointments, doing grief, all of a sudden, he's no longer real. If that's where you are today, then you too need preventive maintenance. Every believer spends time on misunderstanding Avenue at some point when they journey with God. Some point you're going to be there because none of us perfectly believe the right things about God all the time. That's an amen statement. We do not. Jesus did, but we ain't Jesus. We all have blind spots. We all have misunderstanding. We all need maintenance. And what does preventive maintenance look like here? It looks like honesty. Telling the truth about where you are. It looks like humility. Admitting you have blind spots. And a willingness to be ministered to, to, to minister by other people who look different than you. It also looks like Confession, repentance, prayer, and surrender. That's what it looks like. Give your understanding of God the maintenance it needs. Don't ignore it. What you believe and understand about God shapes the way you view life. That's why it's important. It does. And, and please receive this. Our view of God impacts the way we see other people, the way you treat them, the way you engage in issues like race, politics, the way you impact and engage on social media, even the way you choose to function within the church. All those things are shaped by your view of God. The way you handle money, your view of sexuality, your view of gender, everything begins and flows out of who God is and what he does. The standard is never man because man going to let you down. The standard is always Yahweh Elohim. Always. And he, he is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Do you believe it, and will you submit to it? I heard one preacher tell a story about how he changed what he said to his son when his son was, was disobedient. He, he used to say, son, you are a bad boy for doing that. A bad boy. Then his wife later came to him and asked him this question. Is this the way God treats you when you're disobedient? Thank God for a good wife. He was convicted because that's not the way God treats him when he's disobedient. So when his son disobeys now and does something wrong, this is what he tells his son now. He says, son, don't do that because you're my son. Son, don't do that. Because you are my son. Do you see the difference? Do you see what happened? Having a right understanding of how God deals with him and his brokenness changed the way he deals with his son and his brokenness. There's a connection. Your view of God impacts the way you do life all the time. 
Is it impacting you? Is it changing you? Is it? Everyone who has saving faith in, in Christ is a son and daughter of God. And he deals with you as sons and daughters of God, even when you're disobedient. God doesn't say, Alex, you are a bad boy for doing that. Never. He says, because you are my son, because you are my son, don't do that. Because you are my son, you don't have to live that way. Because of who you are, because you are mine, you don't have to live that way. That's, that's, that's powerful when you know who you are in Jesus. He motivates us to obedience by reminding us of who we are in Christ. And like our understanding of God, our understanding of who we are in Christ needs preventive maintenance because we forget. We don't remember. Do you remember 100% of the time of who you are in Jesus? Do you live in that all the time? No, Pastor Alex, I don't. And some of you ain't living there now. You're not. In Christ, all Christians are in fellowship with God. That's what, that's what your union with Christ gives you. You are in fellowship with the Father. And fellowship means relationship. Just to be in communion with him. To be connected to him. It's personal, it's intimate, and it's covenantal. It ain't just you on the island with Jesus. It's you and a whole other bunch of people. And there's implications to this fellowship. To be in fellowship with him means you begin to reflect him in every area of your life. Think about that. You cannot be in fellowship with the light and it don't change you. Okay? It changes you. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 36, 9 says, for, for, for you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. In your light, we see light. You can't be in fellowship with the light and at the dark and darkness at the same time. Cannot be. Can't fellowship with the light and fellowship with darkness at the same time. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And the truth is not in us. We don't practice it. It's a great misunderstanding to make such a claim. God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And people who are in fellowship with him can't continue to live in darkness. Well, what does it mean to live in darkness, Pastor? Walking in darkness means living a lifestyle that is sinful without any conviction, confession, or repentance. It's you saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Whatever I want to do. It's living independently of God because that's what you want to do. Is living self-righteously and, and unrighteously without any sense of repentance. These are habits for you. It's tolerating sociable, acceptable sins. It's just a way of life. Idolatry becomes it is what it is. And you sin all the more so that grace may abound. That becomes your justification for what you do. Can't be in fellowship with the light and darkness at the same time. Can't live in both. Why can't you live in both? Because of who God is. That's why. Who is God? He is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God loves simple people, but not at the expense of his own holiness. 
He loves you, but he does not set aside his holiness to do it. Does not set aside his glory to do it. Please know that. He doesn't set that stuff aside. He says, James says, John says, if we're living this way, we are liars. And and the truth is not in us. We don't live it. We don't practice it. It means that you need preventive maintenance if that's you. You need it bad. You need it bad. Second Corinthians 5.15 says, Jesus died for all. And that those, so that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake was died and raised again. Think about that. Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. His sacrifice is the only reason why you can be made right with God. The only reason why. His blood cleanses us from all sins. It's the only reason that we are in fellowship with the Father. See, Jesus meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us where we are. He doesn't leave us there. Salvation through Christ is free. But living in fellowship with him is costly. Costly. It's costly because of who God is. Our God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. Because he is light, all who profess faith in Jesus must strive to live in the light. Look at verse 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Wonderful. Beautiful. Cleanses us. From all sins. My wife had a phrase she used to tell me before we got married. And she would say it often when we talked about marriage and had difficult conversations. She would say, Alex, just put it all on the table. Just put it all on the table. And then what does she what does she mean by that? It means we ain't got time for childish games. Put it on the table. Put it on the table. It means open up the notebook of your life. And open it up on the table. No secrets. No pretending. No nonsense. No games. Be honest. Tell the truth. Communicate expectations and wants and desires and dreams. Put it all on the table. It means being honest and real about who you are and what you actually want. Now, I've learned something over the past 13 years. And I think it applies to all relationships. That when you come with your notebook, when you come with the notebook of your life, and you open it up and put it on the table, there's something else you need to bring with you to the table. I didn't know that back then, but I sure know it now. You know what you bring with you to that table? A shredder. That's right. Because everything you put on the table ain't going to stay on the table. Some of the pages in that notebook going to get ripped out and put in the shredder. And it will hurt. It will be painful. It won't be easy. It won't be. When you repent of your sins and come to Jesus and save in faith, when you surrender to him as Lord and Savior, when you rest and depend upon him for salvation, when he covers you in his blood, when he cleanses you from all your sins, and when he brings you into fellowship with his Father, he also calls you to the table and says, put it all on the table. 
And this table is where preventive maintenance happens in your life. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Thanos is the main villain in the Avengers Infinity War. And if you've seen the movie, you know he's on this crusade to bring balance to the universe, even if it takes death and destruction. Now, he achieves his goal by a snap of his finger. And at the end of the movie, he has this conversation with a young girl named Gamora. You know, she is the girl that he considers to be his daughter. The only person he ever loved in the universe is this girl. And this is what he says to her. He says, daughter. And she asks him, did you do it? Yes, he replies. What did it cost? He says, everything. It cost everything for him to bring balance to the universe, even the life of the one person he loved. See, when Jesus calls you to the table, he's asking you to put everything on it. Everything. But do you believe it? He ain't requesting. He ain't suggesting. He's commanding. So I'm going to ask this question. This is a question I'm going to ask you. What has Jesus called you to put on the table? You're going to say everything. So are you ready? What has Jesus called you to put on the table? Everything. And walking in the light means you continue to put everything on the table before him all the days of your life. And putting everything on the table refers to your whole life, your whole existence. Everything that makes you you go on the table. Everything you think makes you you goes on the table. All Christians do this. Even those who claim to be Christians are called to do this. And that table is in the shape of a cross. Okay? The cross. You see, we think the cross is just a place where our sin died. The cross is also a place where you die. It's a place where you die. And I'm not talking about you actually dying. It's the, it's, it's, it's the death or what you think is best for your life. That's what dies. That's what dies. And so this means your sexuality goes on the table. Heterosexuality is on the table. Homosexuality is on the table. Your gender is on the table. Male, female, trans. It's all on the table. Your nationality, table. Your culture, table. Your politics, table. Your progressivism, table. Your conservatism, table. Your social causes, table. Your money, table. Your status, table. Your lifestyle, table. Your marriage, table. Your kids, table. It all is on the table. And everything you put on the table ain't going to stay on the table. Some things are going in the shredder. Some things are going to be reformed. Some things are going to be redeemed. Some things are going to be healed. And that's when your tug of war with Jesus begins. When he starts exercising lordship over your stuff. That's when it begins. The tug of war. It won't be easy, but it'll be good. It's preventive maintenance. When Jesus taps you on the shoulder. And say, son, daughter, I need that. I need it. There's nothing in your life in which Christ has not said, that's mine. Even your kids' parents belong to him. They're not yours. They're his. His. Everything belongs to him. And preventive maintenance here is you coming again and again to the table and, and putting it all on the table and saying, Jesus, help me submit. Help me surrender it all to you. Because it ain't easy. 
You ain't going to leave here and say, tomorrow I'm going to surrender this and I'm going to surrender that. You ain't going to do that. You need to leave here tomorrow and say, Holy Spirit, help me. That's what you need to do. Help me. Because there are certain things I don't want to give up. There are certain things in my life I want to have control over. Help me let go. Help me believe that you are good enough for me to trust you with the things I don't want to let go of. Help me trust you. All to Jesus we surrender. All to him we freely give. In his presence we daily live. Humbly at his feet we bow. We bow. There's a hymn that says, Oh, wonderful cross. Oh, wonderful cross. Bids me come and die and find that I may truly live. Look at that. Oh, wonderful cross. Oh, wonderful cross. It bids me come and die that I may find that I may truly live. Oh, wonderful cross. Oh, wonderful cross. All who gather here by grace draw near. Bless your name. Where the whole realm of nature mine. They're an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. My all. Love so amazing, love so divine, it demands preventive maintenance. It demands we put everything on the table so that we may truly live. Do you want to truly live? If you have faith in Christ, you got to give him the stuff. You got to put it all on the table. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help our unbelief. Help my unbelief. Because it's easy to preach this stuff. It is hard to believe it. I don't believe all any of the stuff I preach sometimes. It just shows I need more of you. It just shows that none of us are ever going to arrive. This shows that we're always going to need mercy. We're going to always need grace. Thank you that you don't treat us as our sin deserves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are mindful that we are but dust. Thank you, Lord, that you are forever gracious. Thank you that you do perform preventive maintenance on us. Even if we don't want you to, you're still going to do it anyway. Just give us the, the humility to accept it. To accept it. Some of us are down because we don't want to accept what you are doing in our life. We don't want to let go of certain things. You know, they know whoever that is, you know who you are. Holy Spirit, give us the humility and the belief to know that Jesus can be trusted. If he can deal with our sin, you can deal with whatever we're struggling with today. Help us to believe. Help our un belief. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Will you please